everyone in Western culture, certainly, has a sort of self-limiting, self-sabotaging loop of negative thoughts playing in their minds all the time. And it's it's so steady and so constant and so backed up by this by culture that it's like a trance. You don't even really know that you're thinking those thoughts, but you're thinking them. And so it's it's your the inner critic is that it's the name for that sort of invisible glass ceiling so many of us hit when we're trying to improve ourselves or create what we feel called and led to create. And um, I've, I actually think it's the most, I think the internalized, the inner repressor <laughs> is of all of the human beings on this planet is collectively like the most oppressive force on the planet. Do you have a little ogre in your head that tells you you're not enough? Are your family and friends suspicious of what your writing actually is? Is your inner critic the loudest voice in the room? If so, it's time for some relief. This episode is just for you. Hi, I'm Clarissa Mall, and welcome to The Writerly Life, brought to you by Hope Writers, the most encouraging place on the internet for writers to make progress. Here at The Writerly Life, we help you expand your creativity, explore new techniques, and express your hope-filled words in a world that needs them. We'll help you learn to balance the art of writing with the business of publishing, and learn to hustle without losing heart. You have words, and your words matter. And as you write them, you can be you, boldly, bravely, maybe even a little scared sometimes. You can be you in your writing life. Welcome to the show, friends. Lean in, grab a pen, let's chat. Every writer has one, her own inner critic. Whether you've just started on your writing journey or you've published bestsellers, we all have moments or seasons where we wonder if our words matter, if we're really cut out for this work, if all we're really doing is a long practice in pretending. It doesn't make it easier if people in our lives also wonder what we're up to. Well, critics can come in all shapes and sizes, inside and outside of our heads. This episode asks the question, what do I do with the critics? And I can't think of anyone better to lead us to an answer than our special guest, Tara Nicole Kirk. Whether you're trying to come up with words to explain your writing goals to family and friends, or you're battling the voices in your head that tell you to give up, Tara's words will meet you right where you are today. Lean in as she tells us more in this recent Hope Writers Tuesday teaching with author and co-founder Emily P. Freeman. Let's talk a little bit about the inner critic for writers, because let's say we've got, I mean, we've got a room filled with writers who we, we call ourselves <coughs> hope writers. So we, yeah. we are wanting to share hope in the world. And if yeah. you have a message of hope, we want to help you share it. But it can be very difficult to share hope when you feel hopeless, when it comes to your own work, when you feel stuck, when you feel scared, when you get someone said, all I've heard my whole life is the word. No, Melanie said that. <laughs> so how, what would you say? If, if someone comes to you and is like, okay, my inner critic coach, I'm a writer and I feel stuck and I don't know where to start. Where would you recommend a writer begin? Where do you begin? I mean, like I'm a big fan of beginning with practices 
first of all, I'm a big fan of taking a break. <laughs> Let me first, first and foremost, as as my three year old would say, first and foremost. She does not know what foremost means. No. <laughs> um, when you get to that place of like hard step grind, whatever. Someone years ago told me that they had gotten a. Someone said this to me. I got a contact high from your energy reading what you wrote. Hmm. And something about that stuck with me, the idea that like the energy that I have when I write a thing might transmit to the people who are reading that thing. And whether that's like true or not in a scientifically provable way, <laughs> it has been a helpful thing for me because it it, it is a, like I I've require myself now to sort of get to the place I want people to feel. You are hopeful mm. writers. You want people to feel hopeful. So if you get to the place where you're feeling like grind and hard and stuck and this is awful, that's like a perfect moment in time to like take a little break, <laughs> take a walk, take a bath, anything that's watery, like kind of triggers a flow. <laughs> take a bath. You can take a little nap. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of like decision rules and kind of default ways of doing things and practices so that you mm -hmm. don't have to like come up with new ways all the time. Yeah. So like, um, I do have I, like, so the Anne Lamott practice, which we'll call for this crappy rough drafts. <laughs> sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. We got you. <laughs> I'll say no more. Um, the idea being like writing a, everything I ever write. The first draft of it is literally like, I'm doing it right if it's terrible. Hmm. Oh, that's hard to, that now that's hard to believe. Cause you think like, if I'm writing terrible then I must be a terrible writer. No, like that's, this is the process. Yeah. The process of wonderful writing involves a lot. It involves unlocking that vault of everything's in here, right? And so like the way to do that is to give yourself permission for things to be not only, so, for me, because I am a recovered perfectionist, I couldn't just be like, okay, I'm gonna do this imperfectly. It doesn't have to be good. I had to make it be the whole opposite way. Like my goal is for this to be terrible. <laughs> if I'm doing this right, it's fast and it's terrible. And honestly, very rarely is my crappy rough draft actually terrible. <laughs> very, very, very rarely. In fact, sometimes it's really good. You know, like that quote about how um, you never have to edit the things you write in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. Because like it's just like inspired download. You just like and it's like great. <laughs> right. So you uh, you open up opportunities to have that level of inspired flow when you like sort of soothe your inner critic by making the the objective be <laughs> for it to be bad and then you get it out and then you can do, you know, whatever, whatever is required. Like I said, a lot of times it's actually not even bad. Sometimes it's actually really great. Yeah. Um, so imperfectionism with like default rules like that, like always the goal is never, the goal is never to get it right the first time. So the goal, I, the way my, my point of view is that the goal for your relationship with your inner critic is to understand it, to befriend it, and to transform it. Understand, befriend, transform. And like the understand is a, it's a, 
all of these things are like, this is a life journey. This is the journey of an awakening human being. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like you have to understand where it lives and how you came to have it and how it came to be harsh and hindering you. Um, you have to understand that it's trying to protect you and motivate you. Like your inner critic is not randomly out to get you. It's like, it <laughs> feels, like not, it. feels like no, it. Feels like it. It feels like it. But you know, I learned. Um, so, you know, I have a 25 year gap between my children, right? So wow. I have a three year old and a 28 year old and a 29 year old. And the three year old, and gosh, my poor old kids. Your poor old kids. We've <laughs> learned so much since poor then. <laughs> they got me, like they got the first pancake version of me. <laughs> oh, and you do learn so much since. And so like with my little one, I, I realized very early that anytime you ever get into a power struggle or a tug of war or a conflict, you unilaterally have the power to get out of it by letting go of your end of the rope. Right. And by like, just do not engage in conflict with a part of you that's trying to protect you. Instead, sort of understand that actually in my in the inner critic care program, we actually like do it, um, an exercise of asking for permission, <laughs> like asking your inner critic for permission to, to transform and, and heal that relationship. Um, and you're really just wanting to move to a place of um like sort of shifting the balance of your mental airtime from being dominated by your inner critic to being dominated by your inner being, your inner wise guide, whatever you want to call that, the voice of the divine that speaks to you within you. You want that to be running your life, right? And that requires a lot of practice, letting your experience be what it is, practice saying yes to all of the parts of yourself. Um practice following those inspired ideas and like little nudges and downloads of inspiration when they come, giving yourself the space and time to, to, you know, explore the ideas that you have and like suspending your self judgment. Um, Cause I think that's a lot, even with practice, like I see people being like, gosh, but you know, I didn't get it. I'm not doing it right. right. <laughs> um, you know, or, just there's a lot of self-judgment about our self-improvement efforts that is yeah. that's all just feeding your inner critic more so you said understand understand two more. befriend okay transform transform understand befriend transform and it's like literally i've been doing some version of this work on my in myself yeah for definitely 20 years and it's, it's work, but it just gets better and better and better. Do you find that hard to believe that your relationship with your inner critic could get better and better and better? Another of our Hope Writers Tuesday teachers, seasoned editor Cindy Bunch, decided to write a book of her own. And when she did, she found that in spite of her expertise, she still struggled with negative thoughts about her own work. Frustrated and increasingly empathetic towards her writing clients, she began to use soul care practices to silence her inner critic. Instead of ignoring the inner critic, like Tara, Cindy suggests we welcome the negative thoughts, process them, and then release them. Consider these four ways how. Number one, share with someone else. 
Is there someone in your life who's a good listener and supports your writing no matter what? Tell them about how you feel about your writing life and process those negative feelings with them. No one else knows the internal battle a writer faces with fear, discouragement, boredom, or lack of motivation. We're the only ones who hear the lies we tell ourselves about the worthiness of our work. A safe, supportive friend who listens and speaks kindness back to us when we share our inner battle can be the difference between a writer who keeps writing and a writer who merely dreams about it. A community like Hope Writers is a great place to find a friend and share the hard stuff. Number two, be your own friend. We certainly need the support of others in our work, but let's remember to also be a friend to ourselves. What would you say to a friend who feels discouraged about their work? Treat yourself with the same kindness you would show to a loved one who struggles with self-criticism. Self-kindness takes practice. You don't need permission to show yourself the same courtesy and gentle course correction you'd offer someone else struggling to silence their inner critic. Number three, create reminder cards. As writers, we already know how much words matter and how persuasive they can be to a reader. A set of reminder cards can be a great opportunity to write words of affirmation to your writing self. Whose words do you find encouraging? Write them down. If you're a person of faith, you may want to write a verse on one side of the card and your thoughts or an encouraging prayer on the back. Maybe you collect quotes about creativity or writing from writers you admire. Reminder cards can be a great place to keep them. Inspirational sayings, personal affirmations, and kind messages or comments from faithful readers are all creative options that can keep you company on days when you feel discouraged. Number four, make a list. Make a list reminding yourself of all the reasons you feel compelled to write. Knowing your why will help you silence the inner critic and move forward doing the work you're called to do. Alternatively, you might make a list completing the phrase, I know I'm a writer because. Lists can offer positive reinforcement when we struggle to make it to the page, or they can help us release some of our frustrations with our writing life. If you've already made a list of your positive reasons for writing, consider listing the five most frustrating things about being a writer, or the seven reasons you feel stuck. When we put words to our thoughts, dreams, and frustrations, it can help us move forward with clarity. Regardless of your success as a writer, silencing the inner critic is an ongoing struggle. The sooner we implement strategies to quiet the criticism, the sooner we'll create space to hear the stories that want to be told through us. We began this episode by asking, what do I do with the critics? And the most amazing thing we discover when we sit with critics is that often we are our harshest critics. It's not the voices outside us, but the voice inside us that wreaks the most havoc. So how can you address your critic? With bravery, with courage, knowing that fear is normal, but courage always gets the final say. 
all the time I think about that Picasso quote where he says his mom told him if, uh, like nobody knows who Picasso's mom was, right? <laughs> so she's like just raising raising a baby Picasso, just raising just a like, kid, right? Yeah, but she told him his whole childhood that if he was a priest, he would be the pope, and if he was, I don't some if he was a soldier, he would be a general. And he says, "So I was a painter, and I became Picasso." <laughs> just don't know who you your words will speak life into if you show up and do your perfect place, perfect time thing. Yeah. And that bliss, that feeling of bliss and like shackles off resonance when you show up and do the thing that you're called to do is honestly delicious enough that it's worth doing it for that reason. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, that's who I think you are. If this episode was helpful to you, Just imagine how helpful the entire long interview with Tara Nicole Kirk would be. Every week, Hope Writers members have access to a new one-hour Tuesday teaching with agents, publishers, social media strategists, and authors and coaches like Tara Nicole Kirk. Hope Writers helps you make progress in your writing life, whether you're writing blogs, articles, on social media, or in a book. If you want to be serious about your words and your reader, we're here for you. For writing tips and encouragement, find us on Instagram at HopeWriters or at our public Facebook page, Hope Writers Community. Last, a final word from the author and musician Curtis Tyrone Jones. People often miss out on their own human genius because they're trying to be more perfect than the gods. You don't have to be superhuman to write well. You don't need to be a celebrity for your words to matter. You don't need to be fearless to send your words out into the world. Instead, you simply need to attend gently to your inner critic, to reassure your unsure self, to claim your place in your writing life when those around you question it. You simply need to commit to giving courage the final say. Thanks for listening, writer friend. As you step into this week, remember to keep writing. Your words matter. We can't wait to read them. If you found this episode of The Writerly Life helpful, be sure to like, comment, and hit the subscribe button here below on YouTube. If you're listening in, like, rate, and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help other listeners and viewers know you found the content helpful. See you next week.